Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. And happy Easter still. I hope you know that it is still the season of Easter. Um, I won't build that into the sermon. I'll leave that for other people other times. But it's good to be with you. I'm still on what I'm calling the post-COVID revisitation tour. As in, I'm finally going back to places that I, in some cases, haven't been on a Sunday morning for far longer than normal. And it's good to be back with people. It's good to worship in in whatever ways congregations are worshiping. I I certainly see a few masks, some congregations still all masks, different protocols in different places. And that's just been a part of our reality as people in eastern North Carolina. Um, Thank you for all of the hard work that all of you have done. And I don't mean by this just clergy and staff, but all of you, wardens, vestry, members, ministries, uh, to continue Uh, what God has called us to do during these strange times. We haven't been able to do everything like we might have expected to do. If you're not sure what I mean, just ask the high school and middle school students here about what life's been like the last couple of years. Probably not what you expected. And I can't tell you for sure that what's ahead is going to be like what it was. We still have to see. But while I haven't been here on a Sunday morning in a while, I was actually here within the last month. I hope you all remember that I was here. I didn't dress quite the same way, but we sat down here on the floor and and had some conversation, and I got to know you a little bit, and you might have got to know me a little bit. And I don't know how well your memories work, but on that day, Philip explained that it was a particular day in the life of the church with a particular strange name. (laughs) Do you even remember? It was Wednesday of Holy Week. Spy Day? Spy Day. Spy Day. Do you remember him talking about Spy Day? It wasn't about the latest movie with Peter Parker. It was the day the church remembers Judas, who in the story of Jesus and the last days of Jesus is the one who betrayed Jesus who helped those who were enemies of Jesus capture him. And after capturing him, they eventually crucified him. And that was what we remember with Good Friday and what we celebrated in God raising him from death on Easter Day. It was a day of betrayal. And lest you haven't spent a lot of time reading your Bibles, there are stories of betrayal all through the Scriptures. And today, whether you heard it or not in the Gospel, there was the tail end of a story of betrayal. Because while in Holy Week we often remember Judas and his act of betraying Jesus, chapter 13 in John's Gospel, before that chapter ended, Jesus foretold, predicted, promised, that someone else was going to betray him. Do you remember that little bit of the story? And if you know the name of the person he said was going to betray him? Peter. Peter that Peter would deny he knew Jesus three times before the cock crowed. And in chapter 18, as Jesus has been arrested and is facing his death on a cross, 
before the cock crowed in the morning, Peter had betrayed Jesus three times. He had said essentially, I don't know that person. Well, aren't you one of his friends? No, I'm not. I don't know him. I don't know if any of you have had that experience of someone denying they know you or saying to others that, well, we're really not friends when you thought you might have actually been good friends with them. Peter denied that he knew Jesus three times before the cock crowed in the morning. And the reason I'm telling that story is because some of us who read Scripture imagine that this morning's Gospel reading is the conclusion. Three times, Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds each time, Lord, of course I love you. You know I love you. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. It's as if in this story, Jesus is forgiving Peter. Something happening three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Along the lines of the same pattern of the three times, the ways that Peter betrayed Jesus. And so what we have is the ending of that story of betrayal. And it is in many ways a story of absolution, of forgiveness by Jesus of Peter. And more than that, it's a story of commissioning. He doesn't just say, yes, Peter, I know you love me. He says, now go and do something. Go and do something. I can't know, and I don't think any of us can know, what kinds of emotions Peter might have held in his heart from the time he realized that he had denied Jesus three times until this moment. Was he holding shame? Was it embarrassment? Peter was known often to be the one that would step out boldly with an answer to a question that Jesus asked. Peter was the one who stepped out on the water when they saw Jesus walking towards them in a boat. Peter was often the one that acted boldly and then had to fall back. Peter was the one who confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and then said things to Jesus that suggested that Peter didn't even know what that meant, and Jesus responds, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter is the one who would go boldly and then have to step back. And so I think in this story that we hear today, Peter is being forgiven and Peter is being commissioned, given something to do. Other scriptures speak about Peter as the one on whom the church was built. Following Jesus, he was the one of the disciples who would be the leader of the group, maybe. So how about all of us here today? I put you on the spot a minute ago. Now it's more all of you. You've probably rehearsed this, because I think you rehearsed it most every week you gathered for preparation, at least for the young people, adults, where you are. I don't know how you prepared. But once I'm done preaching, and it won't be that long, I promise, and we sing, we'll move into the service of confirmation. And once you've all been presented, there will be two questions. The first one, do you reaffirm your renunciation of evil? And I bet you know the answer. Remember all those questions that go, do you? The answer is, I do. (laughs) And then you're asked, do you renew your commitment to Jesus Christ? And the answer is, I do. And with God's grace, I will follow him as my Savior and Lord. I expect that you'll respond the way it's written, 
that's what you've practiced, that's what's going to be in front of you. But I don't expect that for the rest of your life you'll be perfect. I don't expect for the rest of your life you will be in some kind of an ideal relationship with God and Jesus and your life will be without incident or sin. That's why in the baptismal covenant we have a question that asks us whenever we fall into sin, will we repent, turn our lives around? This life that we have in God through Jesus is not a life of being perfect people. There's enough pressure around us to be perfect. I think it's probably still the case that for young people, there's the expectation of perfection. One of my, I guess I could call it hobbies, it's one of my ministries in the life of the church beyond the diocese, is to serve at the University of the South, Sewanee, in Tennessee. I'm not sure any of you are far enough along in your college searches to be considering it yet, but I'm happy to commit it to you someday. But one of the things I know is that the admissions department reviews all sorts of applications from all sorts of students who have worked really hard to apply, perhaps, to all sorts of universities. And I think that that whole admissions process can sometimes drive the notion that students have to be perfect. The best scores. And you do even better if you get more than perfect, if 4.0 is perfect. And you're best if you have a whole list of extracurriculars. And you're best if you've shown that you volunteer well in the community. And I think from an early age, your age even earlier, there may be choices that you are making with, without your families about what you want to do with the rest of your life. God help you. And that almost turns into what classes you have to take in middle school or high school. So you can get into the university you must get into in order that you get the job and make the friends and networks that you... It can get overwhelming. And I think for those of us who are long finished school, we still live with those kinds of pressures from the world around us. And sometimes, in the midst of living our lives and the practical things we face, we can let other people down. We can promise things to friends, to family, that we don't ever manage to accomplish. Well, maybe that's a betrayal a little bit. We can be in a pattern of regular prayer and taking seriously the life of faith as we understand it, and then all of a sudden we realize it might have been six weeks or six years since we last stopped to pray or read our Bible or gather with other Christians who were seeking to live well the life of faith. Well, perhaps at some level that's a betrayal. In our work life, we make deals, perhaps, that we can't keep, or we hope we can keep and don't. And sometimes that's just the way it is, and sometimes we can be accused of dishonesty or other character traits that aren't very admirable. And at some level, that may be a betrayal of ourselves and those who count on us. Today, we gather and hear one of the gospel readings that's offered during the season of Easter. A story when Jesus eats with his friends. Though how does a risen body eat food? I I decided to leave those questions for you all on your own. And at the end of the story we hear of the resurrected appearance of Jesus, we have this simple action where he goes to one whom he loves and essentially says, I forgive you. Now get on with it. I don't know what your lives are all going to look like, God willing, I don't join my predecessors under these crosses anytime too soon. 
you know, the dead bishops. <laughs> and I'll have a chance to visit again and get to know you. Certainly there are some of the young people from St. James I've had the chance to know more deeply over the years, particularly if they've worked at, at uh, Trinity Center or have participated in some of the diocesan ministries and youth ministries. So hopefully I'll get to cross paths with you again and perhaps over the years know a little bit more about you. For example, I know that one of those who's preceded you in the place where you're sitting is getting ready, I believe, to graduate from Rhodes College in Memphis. Trivia, you can all figure it out. Ask, ask Jane or Cookie, they'll know who that is. She was almost always the acolyte when I was here the last few visits before she finished high school. This life, as you say yes, is a life of relationships and not a life of perfection. And I'm happy to be with you and to pray with you and to bless uh, you with God's spirit, the gift that is for us, no matter how perfectly or imperfectly we live our lives. Adults, I know I haven't addressed you quite the same time, those being confirmed and those all around. But there's probably a reason these young people are in white dresses and suits and ties up here. This is a rite of passage according to the traditions of life and of our church. We as parents live with the expectation that we better get them confirmed, and we encourage them to be confirmed. In my first confirmation class in the 80s, when I was working with a group of 16- to 18-year-olds, part of my job as the assistant priest in that congregation was to help a young man go to his parents and say, no, <laughs> I don't want to be confirmed. I know you're making a choice, however you've been influenced. Adults, I know you're making a choice. It's a renewal of baptismal vows. It's a moment of saying yes again to God. And I simply want to leave you again with this message. It's saying yes to God, knowing that if along the way we betray ourselves, those whom we love, or God, God always welcomes us back with love and with new work to do. Amen.